Uh, we are going to look at God's Word together now. Uh, this whole fall, we were looking at the book of Ephesians. We took a little break uh, for Advent and looked at a passage in Isaiah 9. Uh, last week was the first Sunday after Christmas, and we didn't go back to Ephesians. And this morning, we're not going back to Ephesians ever. Uh, and I can't make any promises about us ever returning to Ephesians. I'm kidding. We'll go back one day. Just not this morning. Uh, we're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 19, the first 10 verses. Uh, of Luke 19. Uh, there is a scene at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. That's the second Gospel in the New Testament. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, this is in the first chapter of Mark. So Jesus is just beginning what we'd call his public ministry. Uh, so he's somewhere around 30 years old, and uh, he is beginning to teach and to do miracles to reveal himself to be the Son of God that he is. And uh, so here in the first chapter of Mark, uh, Jesus is in Peter's house. That's one of his apostles. Uh, and they're in Peter's house, and Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And evidently, word's getting out about the power of Jesus and some of the things that he says. And so people start coming to Peter's house. And uh, the way Mark describes it is that Jesus is standing at the door of Peter's house, and people are coming to Jesus. They're bringing their sick friends and relatives they're listening to Jesus teach. Jesus is even uh, casting out demons, and there's all these people coming to Jesus. And uh, the day uh, fades away, and everybody leaves and goes to sleep. And uh, the next morning, before the sun comes up, Jesus gets up, and he goes to what Mark says is a desolate place. So he's away from everybody. And when the disciples wake up, they're looking around for Jesus, and they can't find him. And evidently, other people are, uh, are in on the search, too. When they finally find Jesus, what they say to Jesus is, everyone is looking for you. Uh, and in a very tactile sense, what they're saying is, hey, we're all looking for you. Uh, just like maybe parents would say to a child who's run away from home, everyone's looking for you. Uh, but they're also saying something deeper. Uh, all these people uh, with all these needs all over the world what they're really looking for is you, Jesus. They're looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. And that pattern continues throughout the life of Jesus in the Gospels. There are people coming to Jesus over and over with needs and requests, things that they desperately need. They're looking for Jesus. People are looking for Jesus. Uh, this morning, what we get to look at in Luke 19 uh, is a time when Jesus goes looking for someone. Not so much that someone goes looking for Jesus someone who he goes looking for. Uh, let's look together at Luke 19, the first 10 verses. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Our Father, we need you all the time. We especially need you now as we look at your word. Lord, would you show us what you're like? Would you show us your son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you show us what we're like? Show us just how desperately we need the Lord Jesus and just how sweet it is that we have him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, You know, I think suffice it to say, if you end up getting mentioned in the Bible, you've sort of made it as a person. But there's really this upper echelon of making it, and that is that uh, not only are you in the Bible, but you actually get a children's song made about you. Uh, and Zacchaeus is a guy who's uh, he's in that cloth. Uh, so we, we will get to talk about the uh, children's song. I won't make us sing it, although I'm tempted. Uh, but this man, Zacchaeus, uh, he, when we come into this scene in Luke 19, he's in a tree. Uh, it's a little strange that a grown man is in a tree. So we sort of have to start with the question of what is he doing in that tree? Why is this grown man, Zacchaeus, uh, in a tree? And there's a few reasons. Uh, one of the main ones is that everybody hates Zacchaeus, uh, especially the people uh, in his town. Um, you know, to know what people think about you is a scary thing. Uh, I sometimes uh, will really fearfully wonder about this. You know, if you have an interaction with somebody, uh, and then you get in the car with your wife or your family, and then you're sort of given like your 10-second review of that person or of that interaction or that conversation. Um, can you imagine if you got to listen to those 10-second reviews about you your entire life? I mean, that'd be terrifying. It'd kind of be an awful way to live if you knew what everyone thought about you. Um, a few years ago, Jimmy Fallon, uh, I guess on the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, they sent out this pitcher named Matt Harvey. He was a pitcher for the Mets. Uh, He was a rookie that year and was pitching really well and was about to start the All-Star game. Uh, But because he was a rookie, not a lot of people had heard of Matt Harvey, so they thought it'd be fun to send Matt Harvey to the streets of New York to ask people in New York what they thought of Matt Harvey. Uh, And so he takes a microphone, he goes down the street, and he's asking everybody. I mean, he's Matt Harvey, and he's asking everybody, so what do you think of Matt Harvey? Again, you got to have some confidence to ask that question to people. Uh, And mostly what people say are nice things. And of course, they have no clue that they're talking to Matt Harvey. Uh, But there's a little kid at the end uh, who says, you know, I think he's he's not that great. He hasn't really proven himself. He needs to be careful not to blow out his arm and kind of become, you know, uh, irrelevant. And the irony is that that totally happened to Matt Harvey. He became irrelevant. So that kid knew what he was talking about. But uh, again, you've got to be really confident to ask people that question. What do you think of me? Well, if Zacchaeus were to do that in Jericho, the town where he lives, if he were to go ask people, what do you think of me? Everyone would have said, I hate you. I don't like you. I wish you didn't live in this town. Uh, And the reason nobody likes Zacchaeus is because uh, of two of the things that we know about him. First, he's the chief tax collector, uh, which wouldn't be so bad in itself if we didn't also know that he's rich. Now, you may have heard uh, things about tax collectors before, and unfortunately, there's not really a correlation for us in our culture, in our society today, somebody who's like a tax collector. Uh, But there's a show that helps us understand what it's like. Uh, The show's called The Man in the High Castle. Um, And it's not a show that I've watched, but the premise uh, is basically this. Uh, Imagine that at the end of World War II, the Axis powers 
had won. And now what used to be the United States of America is uh, controlled half by Germany and half by Japan. So where we live in South Carolina would now be part of Germany. And uh, we would be governed by Germany. And we would have to pay taxes to Germany. Although we all would have grown up with this identity as Americans, growing up in the United States of America. Well, the people in Jericho live under that exact circumstance. They're controlled by the Roman government. Uh, And Rome went to Jericho and said, we need to hire people to collect our taxes, and we would like for people of Jericho to do that job. We don't so much want uh, Romans to do that job. We'd like to hire you to do that job. And Zacchaeus is a guy who took that offer, who said, I want to work for this foreign government that's controlling us. Uh, And the way that a tax collector was able to make their living was they could ask people for whatever they wanted in taxes. And Rome said, uh, you just got to give us what we ask for. Everything above that is yours to keep. And you can threaten to kill people if they won't pay using our military power. Uh, Zacchaeus evidently was good at lying to people about how much they owed. He's good at defrauding people. Uh, He was so good at lying to people about how much they owed that he became rich doing that. And he uses the power of Rome to get more and more money. This is is his job. This is what he does for a living. Uh, So nobody likes him. In fact, the Jesus Storybook Bible, the title for uh, this story in the Jesus Storybook Bible for children is The Man with No Friends. And then in parentheses it says none. (laughs) As if saying he has no friends wasn't enough. Uh, but sure enough. So everybody hates him, and he's short. Uh, so he climbs up a tree because for some reason he wants to see who Jesus is. That's what it says. He wants to see who Jesus is. Now, we don't know what he had heard about Jesus. If he's heard about a miracle Jesus has done. If he's heard about something Jesus has taught. But for one reason or another, Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is, and he's short. And if, if you don't have any friends and everybody hates you, why would you want to be around a crowd? Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd. So Zacchaeus goes ahead of the crowd and he climbs up a tree. Uh, and then when Jesus is walking by where Zacchaeus is, he gets to the place, he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. Uh, as if to say, I know you. I know who you are. For Jesus to call Zacchaeus by his name is for Jesus to call him out, to out him in a sense. Um, All the students in the room have had this experience, but uh, when I was in undergrad, I took some Greek classes at the University of Georgia, which, by the way, we might should stop and pray again for Georgia. Um, (laughs) But when I was... uh, when I was in those Greek classes, basically what they did is they spent the first couple of weeks teaching us uh, a, a, a few, I don't know, uh, things about Greek, and then you had to spend the rest of the semester just translating. That's all we did was translate old uh, Greek texts. So they would give you a text to take home to translate it, and then you had to bring back your translated work. And all we would do in class the whole time is the professor would look at the role of students and just call people by name to go sentence by sentence translating this work. So I spent those whole classes just praying that my name wouldn't get called. Um, And if my name did get called, we've all had that sinking feeling. All right, now I have to perform. I have to answer. I'm on the hot seat. I'm exposed. 
Uh, And that's what happens to Zacchaeus. Jesus, the Jesus, who's calling himself the Son of God. There's a crowd everywhere he goes. He comes over to where Zacchaeus is, and he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. Again, as if to say, I know you. I know who you are. I know what you've done. And of course, there's a whole crowd who's watching. Uh, This is where we have to talk about the children's song. And again, this may be controversial, and I'm about to say, but I'll say it anyway. The song is wrong. The children's song gets it wrong. And I don't think I have a problem with the guy or girl who wrote the song, but there are some issues with it. So let's, uh, let's look at what the song says about what happens next. Uh, and we won't sing it again, but here's what the song says. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Now, for starters, do you have to say we and little? I think just either we or little would have done the trick. We know he's small, but he says we and little, and they say it twice. He's a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Uh, and he climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. It says, and when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today, from going to your house today. Uh, that song misses the heart of Jesus for Zacchaeus. Here's what it actually says. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus is the least likable man in Jericho. And the first two words he ever hears Jesus say are Zacchaeus, hurry. Uh, And what Jesus is doing for Zacchaeus is, and you can't do this with every interaction of Jesus. It's not really wise to try to do it with every interaction uh, of Jesus. But what Jesus is doing in this situation, uh, by calling Zacchaeus out for who he is, and by saying you've got to come down from that tree, Jesus is taking Zacchaeus' place. Uh, It's just four chapters later in Luke when Jesus is going to climb up a tree. Uh, It's as if Jesus is coming to Zacchaeus and saying, okay, uh, the reason that you're up that tree uh, is because of really two categories of things. First, there's things in your control. Uh, You are the chief tax collector. You didn't have to do that. You made yourself rich as the chief tax collector. You didn't have to do that, but you did that. Uh, That's your sin that's driven you up a tree. Um, The other category is things out of your control. You're short. Uh, And maybe you feel shame over that, uh, or you're really bothered by that, but the combination of those two things, things in your control and out of your control, your sin and your shame are the reason that you're up this tree. And Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to take your sin and your shame on myself. And in the same way that you're up a tree, I'm going to go up a tree. But because I'm going up a tree, you can come down. And it's the heart of Jesus that says, I don't want you to wait another minute to come down. You hurry down that tree right now. Uh, This kind of love is a problem for everyone watching. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Look at what it says, verse 7. It says, when they saw it, they all grumbled. 
He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They're mad. And they're mad at, they're mad at Jesus. They're not mad at Zacchaeus anymore. They're mad at Jesus for going in to be a guest of Zacchaeus, who's a sinner. Uh, and then here's what Jesus says. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, it's not as though Jesus, uh, when he hears the people grumbling at him for the way he's treating Jesus, he doesn't start doing PR for Zacchaeus to say, no, 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 just you, you, you guys wait. You're going to see his true heart. He's really a good guy deep down. Just wait till I get a hold of him. Everything will be okay. Uh, you, just, you just haven't given him the time of day. Zacchaeus is actually not that bad. That's not what Jesus does. Uh, he doubles down and says, I know you hate him. I know you don't like him. And it's because he's lost. And that's who I came for. That's who I love. It's the one who's lost. See, at the beginning of the story, uh, it says Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. And then Jesus at the end says, the Son of Man, that's him, came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, Jesus wants us to see, it may look like Zacchaeus was looking for me, but I'm, I'm telling you, when I came to Jericho, I was looking for him. I was looking for the man who everyone hates, who's at the end of his rope, who's a sinner. That's who I love. That's who I came for. That's who I'm going to die for. Uh, and this kind of love, can, it can be unsettling, uh, like it was for those people. You know, there's, there's sort of a running joke in our house that when, uh, when we watch college game day, uh, it's all fun and games until dad starts crying. And that's dad as in me. I start crying. So, um, and you guys who have watched College Game Day, which is sort of the run-up show to college football, like the, the morning of college football games, there's College Game Day. Um, and usually it's just sort of a breakdown of like plays and coaches and different players and things like that. But from time to time, the other shoe drops. And there's a story, usually Tom Rinaldi's involved. And there's a story about someone who really needed like a liver transplant or a scholarship or something, and they get it. And I usually have a spotty sense about these things happening. You know, I'll like make sure I'm not holding one of our children or something like that when, when uh, this segment comes on. But a couple of years ago was the worst it's ever been. Um, there was uh, a story about a football coach, a high school football coach in Oregon. His name is Keenan Lowe. And uh, some of you will have seen this story. But uh, Keenan Lowe uh, was a volunteer coach, and he worked at the school as an unarmed security guard at this high school. Uh, emphasis on the unarmed security guard. And so one day this, uh, this coach, Keenan Lowe, is sent to a classroom and he's supposed to get a student who's in that classroom who's sort of causing trouble. He's supposed to get that student to go to the principal's office. Pretty standard stuff. Uh, so he's walking to the principal's office or, or to the, uh, the classroom to get the student and uh, he passes by an exit door and in that, in, in that door comes a student who's carrying a weapon and who has a big coat on, sort of all the markings of someone who's about to do harm uh, with a gun. And uh, he stops that student from doing harm. And they're interviewing the principal of the school, and uh, they say, uh, she says, you know, everybody kept saying, isn't it awesome that you've got this hero at your school, this coach who's just t totally a hero, totally saved the day. And the principal said, you don't even know the definition of hero until you see the video of what he did. And I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome, and he's just going to totally crush this kid who's about to do harm. Uh, that's not what happens. On the video, Keenan Lowe, unarmed, is walking down this hallway, 
the student with the weapon in the coat walks in the door, and they hug. Uh, And while they're hugging, you see the weapon drop, and Keenan kicks it to the side. And they hug for a long time, like too long. Uh, And they ask Keenan Lowe, what was going on while you were hugging him? And he said, well, the first thing the student said to me was, nobody cares about me. So I told him, I care about you. So there you have it. That's the enemy being embraced. The one who's about to do harm being embraced. Uh, And that's what's on display when Jesus goes over to Zacchaeus and says, you're the one I love. It's you I want to embrace. And of course, uh, love like this changes Zacchaeus in an instant. It's got an immediate impact on his life. It has an effect instantly. Um, Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You know, when I thought about this story, I always used to imagine that Zacchaeus is sort of hearing the grumbling of the people. Like, I can't, Jesus, I can't believe that you want to eat with Zacchaeus. Like, he's done so much harm. And so Zacchaeus sort of thinks to himself, okay, I can fix that. I can sort of assuage the crowd a little bit. So he says to the crowd, hey, don't worry, I'll give away half my stuff and four times whatever I've stolen from people. Uh, But look at who Zacchaeus is talking to. Verse 8. He says, Behold, Lord. He's talking to Jesus and saying to Jesus, who he's calling Lord now, here's what I'm going to do because of the way you've loved me. Now, uh, when it's not hard to do the math on this. That Zacchaeus is taking a tally of his goods, what he says are my goods. And he says, half of them I'm giving away, and then what's left I'm going to use to pay back four times whatever I've defrauded anyone. Zacchaeus will be poor when that's over. He's going to be out of money, totally. Uh, And what Zacchaeus is doing is exactly what Jesus did to him. He's going, okay, Jesus is giving up his goods for my sake. Jesus is loving someone who used to be his enemy. Uh, And it's costing him greatly to do that. Zacchaeus goes, I'm doing the same thing for people who I've stolen from, for people who I've defrauded. Um, The order matters here. Uh, This is cause and effect. It's not as though uh, Zacchaeus is buying the embrace of Jesus. He's enjoying the embrace of Jesus. He already has it. And that's what's leading him to do what he's doing. Um, When Zacchaeus says to Jesus, Behold, Lord, that's a new thing for Zacchaeus to say. You know, Zacchaeus didn't wake up that morning in Jericho and say, Jesus is my Lord, I just haven't met him yet. Uh, Jesus is my Lord, and I can't wait to meet him today. When he woke up that morning, he had a different Lord. And now Jesus is his Lord. So what was the old Lord? Uh, Well, here's how it always works. When someone turns to Jesus as Lord, whatever they turn from was the old Lord. It's the way it has to work. You go from an old Lord to a new Lord. So what did he turn from? He turned from my goods to Jesus. Uh, The driving factor of Zacchaeus' life to that point, the way he made his decisions was, how do I get more goods? I'll lie, I'll cheat, I'll hurt people, whatever I have to do 
to be more rich, I'll do it. And now he's turning from my goods and saying, I'll let go of those because I have Jesus. I'll make myself poor. I don't even care about goods anymore because now I have Jesus. This is how we know that the embrace of Jesus has had an effect on Zacchaeus. You can imagine Zacchaeus just going about his normal life to say, wow, isn't it great that Jesus chose me? Uh, that he, he says he came to seek and to save the lost, and here I am, this rich tax collector, and I just get to keep defrauding people and sit on all my money. All the people would grumble even more and say, now he just, he just gets to keep on hurting people? He's going to stay the exact same? Uh, but the way that we know that the embrace of Jesus has had an effect, Zacchaeus has a new Lord, and it's obvious. He's turned from his goods, and he's turning to Jesus. Well, we get to ask ourselves the same question, okay? Has the embrace of Jesus had an effect on me? Uh, and the way to know uh, is whether you've turned from an old Lord to a new Lord. Uh, if Jesus becomes your new Lord, it means you won't have any other Lords. It'll be obvious that He's the one that your soul wants. He's the one that you need, the one that you love. Um, here at the beginning of the year, it's sort of common for us to talk about uh, changing, for us to talk about maybe having an effect. What we want is uh, to be affected by uh, a New Year's resolution, by a new plan, by a diet, by some workout regimen, by reading more, something like that. We want results in our lives. Um, but as we look at the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus, what we have to remember uh, is that Jesus is not bu- Zacchaeus is not buying the love of Jesus. He's already got it, and that's what's having an impact on him. Uh, so if you do inventory of your life, even today, or over the past couple of days, or over the next week, and you think, okay, 2022, here's what I hope for this year. Here's what I expect to come. Uh, or you just evaluate yourself in the moment and say, okay, has the embrace of Jesus had an effect on my life? If the answer is no, there's no effect on my life from the embrace of Jesus. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, you just need to put together this sort of strategy for conjuring up an effect on your life, for making it look like you've experienced the embrace of Jesus. Uh, what you and I need is exactly what Zacchaeus got. Uh, we need the very Son of God to walk over to us in our sin and in our shame and to say, hurry, come down. It's you I love. It's you I'm after. Uh, it's love like that that will truly change us. I heard a story uh, probably a year ago uh, about a woman. She was being interviewed uh, about her business. Uh, she runs some sort of uh, creative consulting business, I think in Nashville. But uh, she was on the podcast that I was listening to to talk about her business which is what I was interested in. And uh, she started talking about sort of her childhood and what led her to where she was in life. Uh, and just because the interviewer was doing a good job, I guess, uh, she started sharing some pretty hard things from her childhood about her relationship with her mom and dad and other people, uh, things that had been done to her, things that she had done uh, that she had really carried with her for a long time. And it had this big impact on her. 
Um, and so the interviewer was asking, okay, so what did you do with all those experiences? How did you sort of deal with those things? And she described this uh, counseling experience that she had, a group counseling experience uh, that really helped her. She said, I went to this, uh, this group counseling session, and it was my turn to share about my life. And so I start talking about these events uh, from my past, and the counselor who's running the session says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick someone else in the room to be you. They're going to play you for the rest of our time together. So she picks a girl, and she says, all right, now that girl is you, and I want her to go sit on the couch over there. So the girl goes and sits over there. Uh, And the woman talking says, okay, uh, the counselor told me, now I want you to work through uh, all those hard experiences in your life. And every time you share a painful experience or a thing that you regret that you've done, I want you to pick up one of these pillows and hand it to that girl sitting on that couch. So she starts sharing her story with the counselor and with the rest of the room. She's picking up a pillow. Every time she shares something, she's handing it to the girl on the couch. And it doesn't take long before this girl on the couch is just totally covered in pillows. And the counselor said, okay, can you see her? She said, no, she's covered up by the pillow. She said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell you on the couch. Say, I see you. She said, okay, I see you. She said, now tell her you don't have to stay there. She said, okay, you don't have to stay there. She said, tell her I'm coming to get you. She said, I'm coming to get you. She said, now go take off all the pillows. So She went and one by one, she took away all the pillows. You see the parallel? Jesus walks over to Zacchaeus, totally embarrassed, totally exposed, calls him by name. I see you. I know who you are. I know what you've done. You don't have to live there anymore. Hurry. Come down. I'm coming to get you. I came to seek and to save you. There's people just like you who I came to seek and to save. Uh, Today and every day, there's nothing we need more than to hear Jesus looking at us in our sin, in our shame, and saying, it's you I love. I came to seek and to save you. That's good news for us today. Let's pray together. We'll be done. Our Father, we do give you thanks this morning for the great love that we have to celebrate in Jesus. Lord, would you give us eyes to see just how needy we are? Uh, Give us eyes to see just how lost we are apart from you, how much we need your Son to die in our place. God, would you sink that love more deeply into our hearts even now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.